Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. And welcome on board to another episode of the Dead Parent Club podcast. This week, we're joined by Dr. Joshua Black, who is a grief researcher, speaker, consultant, and host of the Grief Dreams podcast. If you have ever had a dream about the loved one that you've lost, or wondered why you haven't had a dream about the loved one you've lost, you need to listen to this episode. There is pretty much nothing about dreams that we didn't cover. It is fascinating. We really hope that you enjoy this episode. Don't forget to reach out to us if you do and to rate the podcast if you enjoy it. But let's jump right in to this week's episode with Dr. Joshua Black. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Dead Prankle podcast. Today, I am very excited to introduce Dr. Joshua. Um, a few of you might follow him on social media already. He specializes in grief dreams. And at this point, rather than me just trying to explain everything that he does, I'm going to pass the mic over to Josh to introduce him to all of you guys in case you haven't heard of him. Well, hi, everyone. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, so my name is Dr. Joshua Black, and I'm just one of the leading academic researchers in this area. And so there's a lot to go into when it comes to the dreams people have after loss. There's not a lot of talk on the actual subject. So that's what led me into the actual field. And so a lot of my goal is just to raise awareness on it and to normalize those experiences in the grief journey. You know, you know, it's really funny. I put a um, like a question on the Dead Parent Club Instagram the other day, kind of asking people, you know, if they had a one-to-one chat with somebody that specialised in grief dreams, like what would they say? And somebody actually replied to that saying, wait, other people have grief dreams? I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, we do. Like, It's every, a real thing. So many people, it is such a real thing. It yeah. is, and, and that's the, the sad thing is that people don't talk about it. And so because people don't talk about about it people think it's more rare than it actually is but that's not the case it's actually very common you know when you are dreaming um, a grief dream in particular can you analyze all of them i see i don't know how it works i'm looking at you and just thinking you're like this absolute <laughs> oracle like are you able to wow. analyze every single thing about a dream and how do you how do you learn that because it's something that intrigues us all in human nature <laughs> that's a it's a big question um tell me about my unconscious uh i would say i can't i don't really (laughs) interpret people's dreams per se what i do is i've learned to ask questions because everyone's dream and life is so unique to them and their grief journey is so unique to them it's very hard for me to say this is what it means i've seen so many dreams like thousands of dreams and talked to you know hundreds of people about it um so i definitely can sort of see some patterns 
But overall, it's really a personal journey of understanding your own dream language. And so a dog to you may be different than a dog to me in your dream. And then also the feelings you're feeling, only you know what you're feeling. Like I could sort of ask questions upon those feelings or those symbols, but only you really know the answer. And then it really just takes time to understand that dream language and how these symbols interact to try to tell you a story. And so what I sort of see dreams as is like a best friend that is trying to help you by telling you the truth. And a lot of times when it comes to life, we tend to fake it a lot of times and we tend to forget who we are. And so these dreams allow us to come back to some sort of truth that we're not seeing in reality for different reasons. It could be painful. It could just be um, your attention's on something else, you're avoiding it. And there could be lots of other stuff. It could be help you problem solve a situation that you're really struggling to try to find an answer to. And so there's a lot of different ways to go about that. I sort of self-trained myself in a way because I started having, I'll tell you a story. So in the beginning, I grew up in a very religious family and I had a lot of nightmares as a kid. Now I understand them more and why I was having those. But at that time, I didn't know. And so my parents um, told me that they were from the devil. And so it was a very, it's very hard to... Um, wrap your head around that as a kid, but you're you become afraid of dreams is the best way to put it because mm. there's just there's no good and you keep, there's no understanding to them in any way. And so for me, I, I if anything, I tended not to remember too many dreams because they were just weren't important or they're negative. And so as I moved forward, I had like this very impactful dream after a significant breakup. and it, it was the first dream I had that had any kind of significance in my understanding and what it more or less was is before bed I was having basically my heart was broken and I was just asking I was just really pondering the question on why why do I feel this much pain and I just couldn't understand it like as a typical guy understanding my emotions wasn't a top priority (laughs) (laughs) so when you had when you're caring so much it it brought me to my knees and the first dream I had was I was basically running by the stream and it must have lasted like eight hours. It just kept going, I was going under bridges and then I opened up to this big basin of water, it's like an ocean or something. And the there was this like person that was standing on this pier. And so I ran over to the individual asking, where is it, where is it? Because I'm looking for something. And he said, it could be over there, point to the left, it could be over there, point to the right, or it could be over there and point straight ahead in the ocean. But he looked at me with these very mystical eyes and said, do you want to know where it truly is? I said, yes, yes, yes. Tell me, tell me, tell me. (laughs) And he pointed to his mind and I woke up with like a shot of lightning in me. And not only did I woke up and felt this dream was meaningful the first time in my entire life, but I also knew the meaning of the dream, which is very strange because usually we just wake up from a dream and it's crazy and we have no understanding. Mm -hmm. And that's usually what my dreams were. But at this moment, I actually knew what it was. And it was telling me that my pain was coming from the inside. It was how I was viewing the situation. And at the beginning, because the breakup ended because the individual cheated on me, I was blaming her, I was blaming him. Mm. It was just like, so I was blaming all the things in the external world and it wasn't soothing my pain in any way. But the truth was that I didn't actually love myself and what she was, what the situation brought out was a truth that I've been avoiding, that I needed her to feel somewhat normal, to feel loved. And so what I was feeling was a deep rooted pain that I didn't feel lovable. And that was just almost proof that I wasn't lovable kind of thing. And so I was sitting with that truth. And so from that moment on, I really valued these dreams. I also valued how important it is to actually love who we are 
and to not try to search for it externally. And that really gave me appreciation of these dreams. And from there on, these dreams, I looked at dreams and really sat with the dreams I had to try to help me understand maybe what love is, who I was, what I'm avoiding in waking life, and also the different models that I didn't even know I'm using to understand the world and walk through the world. So that was really the first moment that happened. And then, you know, four years later, my dad died. And then I had this other dream that was significantly powerful to me that changed my grief. And, you know, from then on, I'm a fan, you know, like, yeah, I can't, I can't say it, but I will mm -hmm. say that it is hard. It's hard to value these dreams in a culture and a lot of cultures that just don't put value on them anymore. And when we do want to search for these dreams, we, we go to either a dream dictionary or we go online and they can't give you the answers you're looking for. It's really a process of, you know, of actually work. You have to work to understand this, this language of yours. Um, and that there's no one really around to train you. And so it's very hard for an individual to find that hope, to, to find a way through. But there are, you know, there's new material, new books out there that people can use. But it's definitely something that is, it takes time. But I always sort of tell people if they are interested in that, always start with the emotions in the dream and then connect out to waking life. And that'd be an easy way to then realize what the issue is probably looking at. And then you can utilize your symbols to try to understand what it's actually processing. Is it just processing the emotions and the pain or whatever the event is? Or is it trying to provide you also a solution to whatever question that goes along with that pain? Do you know what half my problem is, uh, Dr. Joshua, is that <laughs> as soon as I wake up, I remember the dream. And then as soon as I'm properly awake, it's gone. Like, mm. so even though mm. I've over the years, I've had many bizarre dreams um, and I have had dreams about my mum, there are a few that I you know I remember bits of but why do we I don't know I, I realize I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here but why is it that the moment you wake up you remember your dream and then I don't know about you guys but like literally the moment I'm rolling out of bed 45 to 75 percent of the dream is gone and I'm left with a few bits well mm. it's really about um recall so the, the big thing is you're dreaming a different state of consciousness than you are in waking life and so it's stored differently in your mind that's why sometimes you can forget the dream and then like four hours later, you open the fridge and it just comes back, like it triggers the memory. So we're just having a hard time um, recalling the dream, even though it's, it's in, in there some way. And so the, the biggest issue that people have is that. And so what I sort of always suggest is just when you wake up, keep your eyes closed. Don't think about all the things you need to do and rehearse the dream so it goes into short-term memory and then write it down. And then if you do forget pieces of it, you can go back and realize it's already there. And so that's the biggest uh, strategy to be able to remember those dreams. A lot of these dreams of the sea, so a lot of people remember for a lifetime, which makes them a lot different than just normal, typical dreams and even nightmares. Right, well, we've been inundated. We have so many messages of people wanting to ask you questions, Dr. Josh. But before we get into those, Kat, have you had dreams about your mom? Yeah, so a lot of people kind of messaged in and said something similar that they actually didn't dream about their parent for a really long time. And I experienced that. And after a while, I was like, why am I not dreaming about her at all? Like, I found it strange that I wasn't really. Um, and the first dream that I ended up having was actually so traumatic, but also like very poignant, I think, to kind of like what it's kind of like for somebody to die maybe from cancer or when they weren't ready to die and they didn't want to die. So basically I can't kind of remember it in like loads and loads of detail anymore because it was so many years ago. But basically there was this house in in my dream and my mum was inside the house and it was really dark and I couldn't I couldn't get into it. I, 
all the doors, all the windows. I couldn't get into the house. And my mum was inside it. And she was just saying, like, help me, help me, help me. Like, I can't get out, help me. And I was like, oh, my God, that is horrific. But, like, thinking about it, it's because, you know, I couldn't get to her. And I think in my head, one of the things that I really struggled with after she died was thinking that, like, she was alone. She had nobody with her. She never wanted to die. She wanted, like, my mum was really religious. Like, she always believed that God was going to save her. Um, So I think it was just this feeling of being, like, me being helpless and just trying my best to get in there and I couldn't um and that was horrific (laughs) um but then since then the only other one that I've had that I really really remember which was actually a bit more recent was in my dream it was just like my kind of my my normal life my normal everyday life but for some reason my mum had come back to life but not in like a really dramatic way she was just back in my normal everyday life again but everybody else had no, known, like, knew that she had died. So, and they were just accepting of the fact that they were like, "All right, she's back." Like, Joanne's back, cool. <laughs> and I was just walking around, and I was like, "Guys, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this, this oh. isn't normal. Like, this is so weird." And everyone was like, "What do you mean? Like, you should be happy. Like, it's fine." And I was like, "No, no, no." And then it kind of got to the point where, like, where I was because she was back, back alive again. I was like, oh my God, she's going to die again one day and I'm going to have to go through all of this all over again. And then I was I was terrified at the fact that she'd come back to life because I'd have to go through it all over again. Um, so those are two of my most, my most poignant. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Um, they are, I always find that the dreams are never really, and I think this is kind of a running theme with a lot of people, they're never necessarily happy dreams because even when somebody's like come back to life it's always mixed with really complicated emotions because your logical brain is like this isn't real (laughs) sometimes sometimes and you know it's not for everyone i think with your experiences it it's definitely putting i would say a bias on that because they haven't been these overwhelming beautiful experiences that a lot of people do share and the Mm. question is why are you having these types of dreams where a lot of people are having really powerful and monumental Mm. dreams that are helping them. And yes, they wake up, but a lot of times they're not even sad. They're just, they're feeling this love that's carried forward from the dream into waking reality. And there's just a change that is happening within them in some way. And so when I, when I hear your stories, the first thing is that is, is, it is interesting you hadn't had a lot of dreams in the beginning because most people will have dreams soon after the death. And just for example, after spells of loss, 86% of people um, surveyed had a, a dream of the, the partner within a, a year or two. Oh, wow. After pet loss, okay. it was 78% within the first six months. And after a miscarriage, so these are people who've never even seen the child or having dreamed of the child. 57% of the time, people have had an experience of actually the child which is very interesting. And that's the partner and also the birth mother and also the partner of the birth mother. And so in children, another study, not by me, but someone else um, after a parent died, uh, it was 55%. So it was a huge number of people soon after loss were having these experiences. But what we found out is that there are these people that aren't having these dreams right away. And a lot of people can have concerns over that, especially if they can get jealous from other people's dreams because one of the big mm. things is many people will say, I'll give a million dollars, just have one more moment mm. with my loved mm. one or the deceased. And these are that moment. Like people cherish them like that because there is this sort of quality where you, even sometimes you know they're dead in a dream. And yet here you are and you're sitting with that. And 
but so people can want that. Other times they want to make sure the person crossed over. So if they're spiritual, they want, want to have that, uh, that moment to know that they're safe. Other times they want to know that what they've done is okay. So they can feel guilty if they had to sort of sell the house and didn't have the money to pay for the funeral or what they wanted. So there's a lot of like conflicts that these dreams can actually help uh, aid. And also sometimes it's just remembering them and remembering memories that we've kind of forgotten. And that was one of the things with me is just, and I've heard with other people is that, you know, after someone dies, the big first thing I thought, I'm not gonna have any more memories with them. And I don't want to lose the ones mm. I have. And then when you try to think about the ones you've had, you can't really conjure them up. And so there's this extra fear there, but these dreams can spark that. So one of the, the main factors for that, that we found, found in multiple studies is dream recall frequency in general. So I looked at spirituality, didn't have an effect, looked at grief, looked at, you know, personality, like attachment, looked at open to experience, looked at gender age. The main factor um, that predicted these dreams was dream, dream recall frequency in general. So the more you remember your dreams in general, the more likely you're going to capture one of these types of dreams. And so it's really a play on that. So it seems like people are probably dreaming of the deceased more than are actually mm. remembering it. And then that's just a question on memory. And so I would just first pose a question to you is how often do you remember your dreams? Probably not very often at all, actually. And so then you can start understanding why you're not capturing those dreams. So then it goes to you had your first dream was pretty negative and you're like, well, why, why is that mm. significant? Well, you may have had a lot of negative dreams mm -hmm. throughout and like, this is the first one you're remembering, which is almost a saving grace because if you had these negative dreams throughout every day, you wake up, you'd be Distraught. horrified <laughs> yeah. to go to bed with a lot of people do. A lot of people can have these sort of nightmares that, and they're afraid to go to bed because of it. And so that's why it's really getting understanding of these dreams can help you sort of not fear them, but actually work with them which is the beautiful part of I said, like dreams can be your best friend if you know how to see them in that way. And so the next question I ask is, you know, why do some people have negative dreams? Because not everyone has, because it is, yeah. So basically why have people have negative dreams and what the research has shown, it's related to unresolved feelings of guilt or blame. It's also related to trauma symptoms. And it also can be related to uh, how one was in that relationship with that person, because not all relationships are lovey, dovey, beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of relationships can be very complicated and other ones can be very traumatic for the individual. And so it's understanding that is this just a memory? Is this an actual uh, memory of how they saw the person or what they remembered? Or is this something new that we sort of, that is a little different and a little weird. And so we look at yours, you just your your first dream, I believe it was a house, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought you like inter you really looked at that really well. That you know there was you couldn't get to your mom. Like there's this helplessness mm. there, and that is a form of trauma. And people who are going through trauma will have these dreams of helplessness where you can't save or you can't reach the individual, and it's it, it's processing those emotions. There's probably more you could sort of say on it, but the biggest thing mm. that you're processing those feelings. And what that feels like and also you could also make it as a symbol how your mom represents your grief and then like there's this big empty house of just like grief that mm. you just don't want to go in and, like, awesome. why would why would you right like, <laughs> it's so painful <laughs> and then you sort of so you can understand but your mind's working on something and that's the beautiful thing about when we're sleeping it's doing things like our mind's still working mm. and trying to help us out to process this pain and you sort of see that and that's why one of the understanding of the functions of these dreams, especially these negative dreams, is to work through our, our trauma and our pain. And then your next one about, which I think is interesting, about mm. your seeing your mom and 
Uh, everyone's like excited to be there, but you're kind of not. You're, mm. you're afraid that she may die again. So what it shows me just on my own end is that there seems to be maybe something, you know, coming through to you, just allowing you that maybe it's maybe it's not towards your mom per se, but maybe it's just towards life. How that maybe your heart is a little closed to opening because you realize how painful love can be when you put yourself all in. And, you know, it just, it's truth, right? And at the end of the day, it is hard. That's why love is very difficult when the person dies mm -hmm. because the amount of pain you get is excru excruciating. But does that mean we should close our heart? And I think, you know, a lot of times we do unconsciously because we never want to feel that pain again. But there's other ways to work with love and other ways to sort of approach it. Where it may not have to be so painful um, because after you, I would say, you work through this one, you're more able to, I think, have the courage to then move forward and open your heart even more than you even maybe did before. And I think that there's, there's a lot that we can learn from love, especially from these dreams, which I'm learning all the time. It's very difficult though, <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. No yeah. one likes pain. You know, I'm not saying, you know, like it's, it's easy, but I'm saying that that's an interesting theme that's going on in your dream that is different from other dreams I've seen. And so that's because other people have had dreams like yours where they see the their their parent or their loved one and they're like, how are you here? And then the people in the, the crowd's like, oh, yeah, she's alive. And like, oh, OK. And then you start talking like it's not a mm. big deal. And they have these moments. I felt guilty. I felt guilty that uh, I wasn't like happy and excited and like welcoming of it. Instead, I was like, mm. you're all fucking weird like she, and, then, and then I was like <laughs> I was like she's gonna die again so this is weird <laughs> yeah and so you definitely see that you know those themes are after trauma like I know a couple people that came on my own podcast after someone had an overdose they had these dreams where they would co go up to their their person and say you know you're going to die because of this don't when you get to this certain age so they're trying to warn the individual so it doesn't happen and you can sort of see that kind of theme in this way too how like it's just there's that fear of going on of the actual death um, moving forward. So it's very interesting. But I will say that it's more rare to have negative dreams in a grief journey. There we go, guys. Very... I'm an anomaly. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so common. But at the end of the day, this is what's so fascinating about fascinating to me about the topic. I think a lot of other people, too, is that typically our dreams in general are negative. Um, just because we go to bed with a lot of worry and dreams represent mm. our waking life for the most part. So what we watch on TV, what we're thinking about, all of the anxiety from the day and the fears, and it, it creeps in because our mind's trying to digest that in a lot of ways. After trauma, the dreams are even more consistently negative. So after grief, it's somewhere between regular and trauma, right? So you should have more negative dreams. But what's interesting is when the deceased is present in the dream, you're a lot more likely to have a positive dream than a negative one. And like by a lot. So like of those different categories, as sort of said with the, you know, like spousal loss and pet loss and stuff like that, around people who had a dream of the deceased, it was around 92, 94% of people stated that the content of the dreams was actually positive. Wow. And then when you look at negatives around 40, 30 to 40% of the dreams were negative and what's interesting is those who had a negative dream tend to also have a positive dream like almost 95 percent and so there's this definitely this pull towards having positive imagery of the deceased and so it's more rare to have these negative moments but it's but those negative moments are saying something whatever that is whatever that it's trying to sort of say or, or tell you it's not like the dream to stop i believe they're going to continue to happen but they're going to be more positive 
because whatever is working through, whatever the mind's trying to work through or get you to know to work through in waking life, mm-hmm. um, I think that's sort of the key. <laughs> well, you're <going> to therapy. <laughs> that's why we have podcasts, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's why we're here, guys. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a beautiful story. And it's like, it's not to be afraid of the dream, but to work with it. And the more you actually will work with it and learn from it, the dreams will give you more stuff and more stuff that maybe be helpful. And the other thing you can do is what I also tell people to do is there are ways to um, work with nightmares to change them if you do have them. And that's called dream rescripting. So understanding a dream is one thing and understanding sort of how we can work with it in waking life, but that can take time. But an easy approach is called dream rescripting. And that's you just changing the ending of the dream or you're changing the dream itself to something more positive. And that's been shown in research with children and adults to be able to reduce those dreams from actually occurring or reduce the stress of those dreams that they do occur. And so what I've seen, what's interesting, is so you whatever take that dream or whatever it was, uh, and you just change the ending to something. So maybe it's like, oh, I'm a, you know, as you said, like the, your last one with your. Is, is that just like in your in, in your own mind? In your mind, yeah. When you wake up, you just change the ending. And then all of a sudden, you're not avoiding it anymore. And you're making it something more positive that you can think about. And that goes to then dream incubation, which is something um, we haven't tested with grief dreams per se. But at the end of the day, it has the same kind of concept. And I've used it a lot on my podcast and um, with other people where you basically write down a dream you want to have. And a lot of times we say we want dreams or we want to talk about dreams. What dream would you want to have tonight if you could? And so there's a worksheet that I sort of built where it allows people to actually work through that. And it's amazing what emotions get processed. But if you think about that dream prior to bed, you're basically telling your mind, if this dream comes up or something similar, this is what I want to remember. And so that has a, can have an influence in what dreams you do remember. With other things that has been working, it hasn't, I haven't looked at or tested it yet with the specific dreams of the deceased. See, they seem to be more unique than other dreams, but other people have with other problem-solving issues uh, within their day. And that's why a lot of times when someone will say, like, oh, I prayed and I got a dream, well, that's really what they're kind of sort of saying. Like, it was like almost like a dream incubation. And so I know I've been talking a lot, <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, I do want to sort of comment on those different aspects of your dream, just because you're not alone. So there's, even when say like, 40% of people having negative dreams, the amount of people in the world are having, that's you know, almost half people are gonna have a negative dream. And so it's not mm-hmm. to be afraid of it, but to work with it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I have terrible dream recall. I don't remember anything really. The only one I really do remember is when I was at uni, so a long time ago. Now, I don't remember my mum's voice. Since she died, I can't remember how she sounds. Um, but apparently, she sounds like me. So that's great for everyone else, but <laughs> not for me. Um, um, although it's not that great for everyone else. <laughs> I wouldn't want this voice. And I was dreaming and she was just on the phone to me talking and I could hear a voice and we had a normal conversation and I woke up and it felt like I'd just been on the phone to my mum. But it wasn't a happy dream or a sad dream. It was nice that I was talking to her on the phone, but we weren't talking about anything significant. And I woke up and I was like, oh, that was sad because I wish I was talking to her in real life. But I heard her voice in my dream and I can't remember. It, the, the frustration was when I woke up, I was like, I still can't remember what she sounds like. Mm. But I know in my dream, I heard her voice exactly as it was. Mm. Yeah, it's one of those things, as you said, like you wanted that answer. You kind of got it, but mm. you didn't sort of retain what it what it was. And does that limit the impact of that? I don't know. Like, because at the same time, it was probably helping you in many ways and uh, within your grief behind the scenes. Mm. So you may not may not have been as heavy moving forward. I don't know. But at the same time, there's a reason why that occurred. And um, a lot of people will even look at these dreams spiritually, depending on what they are, even negative dreams. I've seen a lot of cultures and people um, who believe that these are see, dreams of the deceased are all visitation dreams kind of thing. They can get into a lot of trouble because they, they're not using discernment. And so they'll take these dreams as hauntings rather than... Mm parts of our waking life coming into the dream. And so it's very hard to work with that. Like, how do you work with the haunting? It's like with me growing up, how do I work with like the devil coming into my dreams? Like you pray and that was it and you hope for the best. Like it doesn't work. Like, <laughs> and so for a lot of times, it's really a, teaching people that about discernment and to understanding you know, when dreams are that and when they're not. But if something's positive, if you have a beautiful moment or a moment like that, that may turn into a little bit sadness when you wake up, that's just something to talk about. And that's okay. Whatever you think or feel, that's mm. always a beautiful sign. But the the main focus is that um, let's just sit with the dream and what it actually is making us feel. And I think that's just the biggest thing that I've learned along the way is that there's a dream itself has an impact that we know a little bit about. There's a lot we don't know about and how it's impacting us. But we do know about how it impacts us when we wake up. And that's something we can talk about and express our fears and our worries. And at the end of the day, I hope, Emma, that you, you did talk about that with someone because it mm. seemed like it, it wanted to come out. And whatever the opening is to be able to talk about that, you never know where that end result is going to lead you. But it's always just like, I think, opening up to the, our emotions through grief and to not be afraid to talk about that. Yeah, and I did talk about it. And also, I took comfort in that even though when I am awake, I can't remember my mum's voice, I did take comfort in the knowledge that it's somewhere in there. Mm. I can okay. tap it, I've tapped into That's it, good. so it's somewhere in there. Um, I feel, Dr. Josh, like you've answered loads of the questions already. Same. You sent in. Same. Just naturally, which is amazing. Yeah. But can we put a few of the listener questions to you, please? <laughs> One of them, which is kind of similar to what you've said there, really, I mean, like a kind of a running theme is when 
like your parent, you know that your parent is in your dream, but you don't physically see them. So it's more like their presence is there, but not really their physical beings. Like, have you, do, do you, have you heard a lot of stories of people saying something similar to you? Yeah, sometimes they will have the dream and they remember parts of it. And sometimes it's not a physical body. Maybe they're, they see that they're somewhere in the room. They just, they feel them, but they're not there. Other times they're coming through a telephone. Uh, other times they don't remember the dream, but they remember that it was about them. So there's this feeling that they're together. And so, yeah, that is, is common. And like I said, like we kind of want to remember more details. And I think the more we value these dreams, the more we can. But I think there is something that is going on in what dreams we do remember and, and what parts of the dreams we remember. Because all of our grief journey are a little different. And, you know, if I could choose, I would like to remember a dream of my dad mm. every day. You know, just like eight yeah. hours, just like, let's just hang out and do stuff, right? Like, but it's not the, it's not what's going on. And there's got to be a reason for that. And, you know, we just, we're so early in the research. We just, we don't know. I've heard that statement a lot. And it's just understanding what that means to that person. A lot of times it, there's this feeling of peace that goes along with that mm. and, and love. And what's really, just go on a little tangent. So what's really interesting is even when you are in the imagery, and let's say the deceased is in the imagery, What's very common is there is this beauty about the dream that people say they don't get from other dreams. And so there's this love, peace, I don't know the best way to put it, but it's very calming. And I think that's probably would represent sometimes even that presence of the deceased. But there's something going on that's a little different in these dreams than other dreams that we typically have because there is this presence of love that I feel is not really explored in waking life. I don't know if we even get there in waking life to tell you the truth, <laughs> because there's so many worries. There's so many things that we're thinking about behind the scenes, but in this, in the dream imagery imagery, it's like, none of it matters. Like it's just, we're at this like meditative place and state. And I think there's a power there in helping us through our grief journey. Like that's what happened with me when my dad died. So I had a, big uh, three-month gap from when he died to when I had my first dream. And I was, as a typical guy, I suppressed my emotions. I didn't want to cry. I wanted to get back to work, get back to school. I was doing my undergrad at that time. And because of that, not only did I stop crying and feeling sad, I also stopped having joy. So I guess one would say I'd be depressed. But I was getting my work done. <laughs> so um, that was great. But I felt like the world turned to like black and white. Like it, it it was just you're just doing the routines and then i had this dream where i saw my dad uh, at the end of my room and there's this peace there's just like there's just a different energy than any other dream i've really had before and i walked up to him and he was looking healthy healthier than i've ever seen him he's always he had a lot of troubles in waking life and so he always felt like there's a weight on him a heaviness to him but in there he felt very light and i just told him that i'm going to miss him um and that I loved him. Two things I didn't get to sort of say because he died so suddenly. And then when I woke up, the color was back into my world. And I always sit with that because it wasn't that I interpreted a dream, but the dream, not only seeing my dad and you know talking to him, but I think the that presence of whatever that is, I think is very therapeutic in many ways. And so I think that's a part of the change and how it impacts us in many ways. So I don't know if they need to remember, going back to the original question, I don't know if they need to remember that the person was there, in, um, but just that present itself could be doing more than we know. My Nana died during lockdown and my granddad had a dream that he, she and my mum both came to him and said, 
we're really proud of you, Keith. We're really mm-hmm. proud of you. And that brought him great comfort and in and the colour into his world. That Because he rang me. The first thing he did the next day was rang me and said, I had a dream. Mm-hmm. And they were there and they said they're proud of me. And I could hear the colour coming back into his world. So it is so significant, like, uh, I think, for, for people. What happens... Uh, Dr. Joshua, what would you say if someone desperately wants to dream about their parent and bring them to life and maybe they're lying in bed at night before they nod off thinking about them, maybe they're writing things down, but they just aren't dreaming about them? Well, it's really a, to talk about that because I think that concern and is is something that needs to be voiced and understanding mm-hmm. what they're hoping for in a way because sometimes it is to get an answer that they're still loved or to feel the love or to release guilt or to ask for forgiveness. It's just understanding what is it that they're actually trying to look mm-hmm. for. And that's why I always, that's why the exercise of writing down a dream you want to have can be helpful and a helpful tool to even counselors or anyone else to really get an understanding of what the person's truly longing for, because there's so much information in there. As we sort of seen like dreams itself can relate to waking life. And so there's a lot you can learn. But if someone wants a dream, there's a lot about their grief that is being put in there, a lot of their memories, a lot of what they're longing for that we can learn from. That a lot of times when we just ask, sometimes we don't really have an answer. A lot of times people just say, I just want a dream. Well, there's like a billion dreams you can have. Which one do you want? And then that allows people to actually focus more. And that's what the dreams are good. And you can use that to think about before bed to help with that dream incubation. So that's like the one thing I would say. The other thing I would say is you can increase your dream recall and uh, our recall isn't set in stone. So if you value dreams, if you start writing down your dreams, you can increase them. And so that's just a really easy tactic to use. So right now, most people remember one to two dreams a week. But if you start writing them down, valuing them, you can have, you know, a couple of dreams a night. Like it's not and that happened pretty quickly, too. So these are different little things you could do. Other times, too, is to ask those around you about their own dreams, because you can also use those as your own. There's a lot of beautiful moments that people have had with these experiences, and you can take that and and hold it as if it was your own and hold the feeling of that. So if it is like just hearing the dream of your, it was your granddad, right, with um, the his, his wife and daughter, okay, saying, you know, how they're proud of them, like, what that represents and what that means like i felt that and it's getting people to be able to go into other people's dreams and feel that because we all want that we all want that our our people to be proud of us we want to feel like we're still doing a good job here even without them because a lot of times they gave us the strength to do good right like they gave us that and like and now you're like am i even doing good i'm not getting no one's telling me it's it's a weird process but they get that like what that feels like and to just sit that also with yourself and say, yeah, you know, I'm doing a good job too. And so there's different ways you can utilize it without having to like blame yourself for not having a dream or thinking that it's for something other, re- some other weird reason that will just hinder your grief. And just coming back down and simplifying it. A lot of times, you know, like the people in the podcast, well, like the words that the deceased says in dreams, even with people I don't even know, I use that. Like, so the one was uh, a person, um, her her grandfather died and she had this dream after her wedding where he couldn't be a part of where he said to her you know e- remember one thing he said even in sadness there is beauty and that was it but like i sit with that all the time to know that it's the sadness is because of the beauty like there's beauty in there and it's just finding your way towards that and to not disowning the sadness but to understand where it's coming from and there's there's love there 
And the love is, I think, the key to everything. And that's why I think a lot of these dreams do touch on us feeling love in a time where it's very hard to consciously feel loved when we're grieving. Mm. Dr. Josh, are, are there any other recurring dreams that you hear from people? Are there any themes that you hear that I'm just thinking if someone's listening right now and we haven't covered, you know, because there are so many different dreams, mm-hmm. but are there any ones that you hear about a lot that you think you might be able to tell us? Because I'm just thinking listeners might then go, oh, I, I dreamt about that. Mostly really any dream that someone has is probably uh, has a theme in it that I've seen prior. But I can tell you some like general themes that are unique versus like in some certain types of losses. I think that's probably um, a little more interesting. So after like a spousal or partner loss, you'll have more of those romantic and passionate encounter dreams. If someone is was hoping to do something with that individual, uh, maybe get married, they'll have you even have the the wedding or they go on that, that special honeymoon that they've always dreamed about. Even I've had people who, in the dream, they they were engaged, and in the dream they had a um, the person provide them like the wedding ring, and then they went out and they randomly found that wedding ring. It's wild, it's a lot of wild stories that, that can go on in these dreams. At other times, it's the person is getting remarried, and they'll have a dream of their deceased spouse basically reassuring them that's the right decision and that they they support the. Mm. the move and I think that's very beautiful too so you can see how that that plays with you know the uniqueness of that type of loss for children what's interesting is that they can grow up as they would have in waking day life in your dream so if the child would say died at two in two years they can be four and then two more years they can wow. be six and so you actually see the individual grow up um, like you would have which is nice and what's beautiful too is that in these children's dreams there's a lot of play going on which you don't see in adult dreams. There's a lot of talking and walking, but there's no play. <laughs> I think that says something about who we are and uh, what we need to do more of. <laughs> but um, that's really unique to that that type of loss. And then you have the pet loss, which is also, there's some play in there. But a lot of it really looks at, it's based on, it seems to base more on memory, but at the same time, a lot of our encounters with our compassionate friends or, or animals they are routine in many ways. They sit on our lap when we're watching TV. We go to the same park. We sort of you know, go for the drive every week. And so they have those types of dreams, um, basically where they're together. Um, and then let's say after, whether, what did I miss? Oh, a parent. So if a parent dies. Parent. Yeah. <laughs> like, big, on? big one for us. <laughs> <laughs> so when a parent dies, there's a couple things that can occur. A lot of times you, you get that reinforcement that you're doing a good job. Um, but also if they died older, they sort of come in the imagery as younger, like so when they're healthier, so around like 30, 40 kind of thing, rather than like 90 when they when they died. You don't really see them age like you would with children, which is interesting, mm-hmm. um, which is, yeah, its own own thing. And then what else? So like even a, a lot, certain types of loss have different kinds of questions that go around that the, the bereaved sort of think about. So let's say after suicide, there's a lot of the why questions. So in the imagery, it can be very traumatic. You can relive the moments of that or, or finding them. Or you can actually have these positive dreams where the deceased is telling you why they did it and asking for forgiveness and providing you understanding, which allows you to, to then sort of sit with that and be able to move forward without those heavy questions. And so it's, you know, like, it doesn't matter like what loss type here is, you can have positive or negative dreams based on the same kind of emotion. So if it's guilt or if it's, you know, you know 
whatever trauma if it's you know any kind of issues and that's the interesting thing how like you could have a negative or positive dream to focus on any issues but for the most part it is a lot of the the positive stuff is is what is coming through or what people are remembering people are maybe having more negative dreams they're just not remembering it may not you know and that's just maybe a safeguard we have in our own minds but that's yeah those, so that, those are the some themes but it's like at the end of the day like you could really ask me anything about any loss and mm-hmm. you, there's a specific thing because every grief has its own unique kind of themes to it thank you so much um joshua for coming on and for sharing all that with us i feel like there's going to be so many though there are so many takeaways from this like you know people that are questioning why they don't dream about them the like um, impact it can have by writing down what you want to dream about if you want to dream about them more taking the time to kind of write down your dreams and kind of analyze them and think about those things that you're maybe not processing um i really think people listening are going to get a lot of value from it um but to end the episode I actually wanted to give you just a few minutes. It's something that we like to ask all of our guests um, to share with us your dad's name and a favorite memory that you might have of him. Um, mm. I feel like it'll be nice for our listeners to, to you know, hear a bit about, you know, your dad. And it's obviously a big, big part of your life too. Yeah, it still is. And, and you know, I value that, that you've asked that question. So thank you. So it's not just about grief dreams. You care about me. <laughs> so his name was uh, his name is uh, Mark, and the uh, it's interesting because as a kid, going back to the 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 nightmares I've had, it was because of him, and that's why I was having nightmares. It's a very unstable environment. I had a hard time processing his emotions. He drank a lot, and so I had a lot of fear being in the house. And so positive memories of him. I don't have a lot, mm. you know, as a child, I know I don't have a lot of memories either. And that's probably based on just trauma in itself. Um, but mm. I know like, people have told me like stories with him, but there's, you know, like that were positive. I just don't have, the, they're not my actual memories. They're like other people's mm. memories that I'm like holding on to. But once I, mm. my mom and him divorced and or separated and divorced, we started actually having some good memories, which was beautiful because he dropped the act of trying to be a dad and he wanted to be a friend. And so as a dad, he wanted to sort of basically protect you from the world. And the way he did that was to really force you through punishment on, on what mm-hmm. what you should do and what things you, you shouldn't do and all that sort of stuff. But none of it was, I think, it was the act was a, a loving act in the sense of his mind. But the way he did it wasn't loving. It was actually provide the opposite effect where you, I didn't get close to him. And so when mm-hmm. we had the two years, basically two or three years after they separated until he died, we started just hanging out and started asking questions. He's actually a really funny guy. And so we would just sit down and watch movies together. He was really move, a movie buff, and I, I was too. So we'd go to the movies and hang out a lot and just have um, dinner, have some chicken wings, and just like just chat. And just he would ask questions about my life, and I'd ask some about his. And at that time, I was more interested in like why he was the way he was. So I would ask questions without telling him why I was asking questions about his past and like want to know more about mm-hmm. – all of that because it gave me more compassion for what he went through and why he was mm. the way he was and how how he treated like everyone in the family he has he had poor role model models like, and, and you're like i'm looking at that i'm like yeah okay it makes sense like mm. who's like just and mm. like and you're in a culture where your know, drinking was the way for men to deal with their emotions and it just got out of hand and so it was nice to have that because i felt like i developed a bond i've always wanted as a kid at that moment and then that's when he died so i think if he would have died, let's say three years earlier, I may not be in this field. I may not have had those dreams mm. because it may not have been as gut wrenching as it was. 
And so I think that's it's very interesting about just timing of life and how things happen. But I'm really happy I got to spend those moments with him, getting to know him and laughing and just having those mm-hmm. positive memories of him. So there's something that I connected to before he died. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. And Dr. Josh as well. I just know that loads of our listeners are going to be going, where can we find more of this man? We need to hear him. So can you just tell us about your podcast and what it is that you do and talk about? So if people want to know more information on the topic, they can go to the website. That's why it's there. And that's griefdreams.ca. And the CA because I'm from Canada. So that's basically why that that's that. And you can go and look at for, there's so much information on there, common questions, there's popular culture, like these dreams are everywhere, but yet no one has really researched them, which is such a weird thing that the culture is ahead of the counselors, about the topic, and you'd think there'd be more, but there's just not. Anyway, so um, if also if people want to hear more about these dreams, then go on my Instagram, at Grief Dreams, or the podcast, the Grief Dreams podcast, which is probably, you know, wherever they're listening to this, they can probably find it. And on there, it's like people tell their stories about their life, loss, and their dreams. And it's beautiful because one of the things that, for me, I, I didn't like is that when I, you research a topic, you don't get the full story. You can't, you don't really get that mm-hmm. qualitative aspect. You get like a lot of times it's numbers or just a dream. And so for this, you actually get to hear and understand why the dreams are meaningful and how it had an impact and maybe why it didn't have an impact or what, what they did with that dream moving forward. And it's amazing how these dreams, when they're positive, especially when they're positive, they can really influence people's life beyond the moment they had it. So people can go back to those dreams as a way to regulate their own emotions, which I think is great, or to feel that bond. It's like, you don't. sometimes you don't need a thousand dreams. You just need one. Yeah. And that one is enough to actually help you with the motivation to live this wild, crazy life that we're living with enough um, purpose to open, continue to open your heart. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. What a lovely way to end the app. Thank you so much, Dr. Josh. Yeah, I feel even, I feel calm after talking to you. So I feel as though that's going to be how a lot of people feel listening to you. Thank you so much for imparting your knowledge of dreams and for being so genuine and honest. And it's clear that you're a really deep and feeling person as well. Um, And that comes across and Mm. you can tell that that is why you wanted to channel your energy into this field of work. So thank you so much. I know you'll have helped so many people. And if you have resonated with this episode, don't forget you can get in contact with us. You can drop us an email at hello at deadparentcode.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at Podcast or Facebook, the Deadparentcode Podcast or Twitter at DPC Podcast. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 